Good morning. I like y'all to talk back to me. <laughs> I'm a little needy, maybe. Just kidding. No, but uh, for the guys, I know y'all may be a little disappointed because your favorite pastor isn't up here, but he'll be back next week. I said, you sit down this week. I want to be the one to honor our ladies this weekend. So happy Daughter's Day. Here at New Hope, we like to say Happy Daughter's Day because we understand and we try to be sensitive to those that this weekend may be really difficult. So Happy Daughter's Day. It's also important that we aren't trying to find our identity in being a wife, that we don't find our identity in being a mama, but that we find our identity in being His and His alone. Now, that's not my message today. That would be a good message, but that's not my message today. I want to talk to you about developing into who God has created you to be. So Chris asked me about a few days ago, so do you want to sit or are you going to stand? I said, well, it really just depends on what shoes I decide to wear. <laughs> I may not be standing for very long. We'll see. And some of you may have noticed my accent's a little thicker than Chris Fry's. I'm going to try to enunciate and talk real slow for you to understand. <laughs> so some of you may know that we moved um, about nine months ago into a new house for us. We have more rooms. The kids have a yard to play in now, and we just love being out there. Now, this may surprise you, but I'm not a plumber, nor do I know anything about plumbing whatsoever. But I have discovered that when you flush the toilet and it goes bloop, 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 don't do it again. <laughs> so I did that. I was like, eh, it's not working. So what happened was, to my dismay, the water started coming up through the shower floor. And um, I did what any independent, strong woman would do. And I said, babe! He came running. Of course, when stuff like this happens, it always happens late at night, right? So he comes in in his sleeping shorts, and that's not code for boxers. That's for real sleeping shorts for such a time as this. He puts on his boots. He runs outside. He opens the clean out, and he turns off the water. Y'all, this happens a lot. So he called the plumber. He comes. He brings the big snake thingy. He broke it because so much stuff came out of the pipes. He had to come back the next day. I was like, oh, the issue's fixed. We good. So I started doing all the things you're supposed to do when you have a septic. Lived on a septic my whole life. Mama never bought septic-safe toilet paper. <laughs> but I did. $16 a pack. <sighs> you didn't know that. That's okay. Um... <laughs> And my kids quit flushing toilet paper down the toilet altogether, I think because they had a little PTSD from the trauma of the water coming up and flooding our bedroom. That was traumatic for them. Tra traumatic for me, too. But they just remember it differently than I do. So they stopped talking. Oh, and then I started flushing coffee grinds down the toilet because, according to Google, when you flush coffee grinds down your toilet, it goes into your septic, and it begins to make the bacteria healthy. Not really sure how bacteria is healthy, but that's what the internet said. It told me to do it, so do it. So that's what I did. And um, this complete side note. I'm going to have a lot of side notes. Y'all just get used to this because I'm like a squirrel, <laughs> like I think of things. So, um, Chris, I forgot to flush the toilet, 
and there was still coffee grinds and it totally, he didn't know I was doing this. And uh, he went in there and you know, the water's like brown and black on the bottom. He's like, oh my gosh, is everybody okay? What's in the toilet? What are you doing? I was like, babe, it's fine. It's just coffee grinds, just flush it down. It's good for the septic, makes the bacteria healthy. He comes out, he's like, where did you get that? I was like, I read it on the internet. Side note, another side note, we asked the plumber, it's good, okay? So if you didn't know that, you're supposed to do it. You are welcome. You can quit spending all the money on writ, whatever that stuff is. You put down your stuff. All right, I need to go back to my notes. All right. We did all the things that should have helped the issue, right? But all we were doing, we were just fixing, trying to fix the symptoms, that's all we were doing. We were just addressing the symptoms. Fast forward, this little backup problem. It decided to back up again at night. That's when it does it. And our living room flooded. We woke up to a flooded living room. <laughs> so the plumber comes and we all agree by this time, there's a deeper issue at hand. So what do you do when there's a deeper issue and you've got plumbing issues? You have to dig. So the plumber started digging, ripped up the whole side of the yard on the right side. They were out there for a good little bit. And um, they said, hey, we found the problem. I was like, praise God. We've been here for six months and this has been an ongoing issue. So I look and there's a big giant pipe that connects to the septic and it's all cracked and there's a giant root growing right in the middle of it. And there's toilet paper connected to it. I'm like, well, no wonder the water's not flowing properly. So after I get done, wah, 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 pity party me, why did it take so long, wah, 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 the Lord said, I want to use this situation to, I want to use this frustration to show you in the natural what happens in the supernatural. So I want you to catch this. The water was not able to, to flow properly because of the unwanted root. The unwanted root was what was causing the disconnect. So let's ask ourselves this, this morning. What are the roots in my life that don't belong? What are the relationships in my life that don't belong? What are the things that God has asked you to give to him that you keep holding on to. That's what we want to talk about. We need to get rid of those unwanted roots. Everything we did up to that point only took care of the symptoms. It didn't take care of the source of the issue. That's why we kept having issues. Maybe you feel like we did. Man, I'm doing everything right. I started coming to church more consistently every week. I've started a small group. I went through freedom. I'm doing all the things. I've, I've began trusting God in my finances, but I still feel like there's a disconnect. What is it? Is there something wrong with me? What is going on? That's what we're going to talk about. My number one point today is you gotta. You gotta dig. I had to go north Louisiana. Y'all aren't going to remember dig, but you're going to remember you gotta dig. <laughs> so turn with me to Mark 4. 14. I'm going to try to read it slow. It's a lot, but I want you to get it in your spirit today. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path 
where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So consider with me just for a second how a seed is planted. You have to dig, but first it says you have to prepare the soil. If y'all hadn't gotten it yet, we're talking about the heart, okay? You gotta prepare the soil. You can't plant a seed without digging past the surface level. When you begin to dig deep into your relationship with your daddy, with your heavenly father, and I say daddy because it wasn't until I saw God as my daddy that I truly understood how much he loved me and the type of relationship that he truly wanted to have with me. If you would just begin, begin to, and, or continue to dig, he will begin to reveal to you the things that have been hidden, the things that you haven't been able to see up to this point. But as you continue to put your eyes upon him and allow him to show you, he will, because he is a good, good daddy. He's not keeping or hiding anything from you. He will show you the source of the symptom. Now, how silly would it have been if our septic just kept backing up and we were just like cleaning up the mess, just that's how we lived. Like, this is how it's gonna be. Just hopefully it'll work out one day. Y'all, things don't just work out. No, you gotta do something different. You know, that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Why do we do that? Because it takes work, it takes effort, it takes commitment, and it's just easier to just sit back, hope for the best, hope it works out. You know what? God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. That's what I've had to learn. God's not going to do for me what I can do for myself. He's equipped me. He has given me authority in my home. He has given me a voice in my children. He has given me a voice for my spouse. He has equipped me. Again, he is not going to do what we can do for ourselves. So let me give you a working definition of what it means to dig. This is according to Merriam-Webster. So this is pretty cool. Because when I read it, you're going to be able to hear it with your spiritual ears. And you're going to be able to be like, oh, okay. So break up the ground to prepare the soil, to bring to the surface, to bring to light, to work hard laboriously. Now, let me give you a biblical definition of what it means to dig. Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. 
Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. So the work that you begin to put in your relationship with God, the investment, the time, that's what you're going to get out of it. We expect our spouses to spend time with us. You don't just walk in a room. If, if I woke up in the morning and I was talking to Chris and he didn't say nothing to me, I'd be like, boy, good morning. Like, we're, neither one of us are morning people, but he needs to acknowledge me. The Lord kind of feels the same way when you just ignore him all day long. He's like, hello, you haven't talked to me all day long. You need to acknowledge me. He didn't talk like that, but that's just how I, you know. So what you put in, you will get out. It made me think about, okay, this was like revelational. I can't remember where I heard it, but they said, think of the person that you love the most. The, relation, the person that you love the most, and if you... And then go to your relationship with God. And if you spoke to the person that you love the most as often as you speak to God, if you spent time with the person that you love the most the same amount of time that you speak to the Lord, if you considered that person the same way that you consider God in your plan making, how healthy or good would that relationship be with the person that you love the most? Well, if we say we love him the most, then we need to be making an effort to invest in that relationship. So, and thinking about digging into and what it looks like to work and put in the effort to build your relationship with God, it made me think of my workout journey. So, you'll be able to relate in a minute. So, Chris started CrossFit about a year ago. And yeah, he started looking better in his 30s than he did in his 20s. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. And y'all, he wearing a suit today. That ain't ever happening again. So <laughs> he came out that door and all them lady goes, oh, look at Pastor Chris in that suit. I said, only for weddings. And today he said, I ain't preaching, so I'm going to wear my suit. <laughs> he looks good too. So I was like, man. I want what he has. Like, he's looking good. I want results. And, um, I mean, I, I, I'm skinny, but I'm out of shape, okay? That's, that was my thought. Like, I need to get in shape. And uh, this is another side note. I like side notes. Uh, a guy at our other church, I was pregnant with one of Gabriel. That's who it was. And, um, and he said, you look so good with, with meat on your bones. And I was like, well, well you know, I'm pregnant, right? And uh, he, yeah, but you know, before you're pregnant, uh, you look kind of gaunt. And I was like, thank you, I think. So I was so mature. And I went and told his wife. She took care of him for me. I didn't have to say anything. So back to my workout journey. Um, so Chris is like, all right, if you're going to start CrossFit, I'm going to pay for three weeks and you have to commit. You have to commit to three weeks. I was like, I could do anything for three weeks. So I walked in that CrossFit gym. Y'all, there's people swinging from like the <laughs> right, like, like, like we in the Olympics. And there are people climbing up ropes, touching the ceiling, doing double unders. I'm like, like, how am I going to do that? People lifting weights over their head. I was like, oh, no, -uh. we, we got one. Chris is like, I done paid for it, girl. You get back in here. <laughs> 
He said, you got to start somewhere. You're not going to start this. You're not going to start doing this. You got to learn. Some of you walk in the sanctuary and you're overwhelmed. You look at everybody else, how they worship. You look at everybody else, where they are in their journey. You look at the people on the side of the wall praying out loud for people and you think, I could never do that. You become overwhelmed because you want to be where they are in an instant. But it takes work. Y'all, I had to start somewhere. Chris said, come on, you got to start somewhere. So I started, started somewhere. I wasn't finishing the workouts. By the second week, I had the CrossFit flu. That's what they call it. I felt sick, like ill. And I told Chris, if this is how I'm going to feel, if I will start working out, I don't want it. I don't want this no more. I don't care if I'm unhealthy. You do your thing looking good. I'll just eat my Ori's on the couch and hope muscles grow. <laughs> but he said, no, nah, girl, I paid for three weeks. You have one more week. So I said, so I went <laughs> begrudgingly. And uh, by the third week, he was right. I started feeling better. I was like, okay. I finished the workout on my feet this week, not on the ground, Dad. Doing better. So my cardio was building up. I was like, well, maybe I can do it for three more weeks. Maybe. So, but what I had to do is I had to start somewhere. And I had to have somebody to coach me along the way. I needed somebody when I was in my little pity pit and I wanted to give up because I was overwhelmed. I had to have somebody coach me through the pit. So I'm talking to those that maybe you've been digging in your relationship with God or maybe you have no idea where to start. And that's who I'm talking to today. That's why I want to tell you practical ways where you can begin. You hear us say it all the time. Take the one-year challenge here at New Hope. That means surrender your life to Christ, number one. And number two, do everything that we have to offer to you. And I promise when you look back in a year, it is going to look different. Did I see results in three weeks? No, baby. But it took about a year, really, for me to really see the results that he was getting. But it took commitment and work. So join a small group. Join a small group. We were not created to be alone. We were created for community, and you need people alongside of you cheering you along the way. If you haven't gone through freedom, the freedom curriculum, I don't care if you've been living for God for a week or 80 years. If you have not gone through the freedom curriculum, it is life-changing. I promise you need to start. Our next will start in August, and that's when you need to start. That's when you need to begin. Um, Read your Bible. Commit to reading your Bible. Every day. If you commit every day, you'll probably hit about four to five days a week. I mean, that's more than what we're doing right now. So let's start somewhere, right? So um, the way I started is I read one Psalms and one Proverbs. And then I prayed. That is what my devotional time looked like. It was very short, but I had to start somewhere. Okay? That's all I'm talking about. Start somewhere, guys. And then you will grow and grow and grow. So, prioritize church. Why is it that when we get busy or overwhelmed, things that are going to make a difference in your eternal life become optional? It's those things that become optional, but it should be what we cling to the most. We do it with our kids, too. I'm about to prove it. 
All right, so the grandkids went to stay with their grandparents. Well, my kids, not my grandkids. I don't have grandkids. My kids went to go stay with their grandparents for spring break, and we were meeting them halfway. And um, I'm not going to say any names. This chair's in my way. I want to walk over here and talk to my friends over here. So that we were meeting them halfway, and uh, he said, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to feed them lunch, and we'll bring them back to you. Um, so Papa Tim <laughs> said, uh, I gave him a choice. Do y'all want food, or do you want junk? I was like, you gave them a choice? Well, you know what they picked. Do you want carrots, or do you want ice cream? Y'all, that's what we do for our children's uh, eternal, like things that are spiritual. That's what we do. Do you want to go to church camp with your, I mean, I'm sorry, back up. Do you want to go to the beach with your friend that invited you? Or do you want to go to church camp? You leaving it up to them? You're making it option, optional? Do you want to, um, do you want to sleep in today? Or do you want to go to church with us this morning? Do you want to go to church on Wednesday? Or would you just rather just stay home? Well, my child doesn't really know anybody at church. They don't have any friends. Well, tell them to go invite a friend, and you're going to go and pick them up, and they're going. Let's not allow eternal things to be optional. We make them do everything else. You make them wake up and go to school. You make them train for baseball, football. You make them brush their teeth, which I hope. You make them take showers. We make them do everything else, but when it comes to eternal things that will truly change their life, we leave it up to them. It is our responsibility as parents. God has given those babies to us, to you, to show them, to train them. Training them does not mean do this, do that. It means I'm going to model it. I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to show you how, if we will teach them how to dig now, then Lord help us that they won't be so apathetic, as apathetic as we have become towards God and his word. Number two, dispose. When God reveals the unwanted roots or issues, you have to dispose of them. You have to uproot them. You got to get rid of them. How silly would it have been if the plumbers would have showed us the big giant root and I would have been like, oh, well, look at that. There's the issue. I don't want to take care of it later. I ain't dealing with that right now. Just cover it back up, boys. We'll fix it later. That'd be crazy, right? No. I said, you better dig that thing way back and sever the head off so it doesn't come back. We're not dealing with these issues again. Get rid of it. So that's what he did. We've allowed the enemy to plant seeds in us. You have guilt. You have shame. You have seeds of bitterness. You have seeds of doubt. And what happens is when the enemy starts to plant those seeds, you begin to believe them. You begin to believe the lies that he speaks about you. He keeps you trapped. And when you begin to believe it, you begin to water those seeds. When you begin to believe it, this is what he does. I'm going to see if I can do this without falling. He begins to sit back. Those are my abs working. <laughs> and he gets to look. And he's like, she's watering that seed for me. I don't have to do it. 
She's doing all the work, so he just sits back. When you begin to believe them, they begin to take root. And when they begin to take root, they begin to choke out what God has been trying to do in you. The good word, the prayers, the things that your mama spoke about you or over you and prayed over you. The enemy begins to choke out the good root. And you begin to believe what he says over what God says. Have you ever dealt with an issue over and over again? Like you feel like you've given this to God and he's healed you from it, but then the enemy, you'll see that person again or you'll see that thing again. You know what? Because the enemy, he's not, he ain't creative, y'all. He dumb, he do the same thing over and over again because he has the same, the same tactics. He says, this worked before. It worked before, it's gonna work again because he only knows what you show him. He only knows what you've said out loud. He cannot read your thoughts, so he only knows what you continue to show him over and over again. So you gotta uproot it. Don't begin to believe them. Begin to focus on the word that God has given you and the promises that he gives. When the enemy tries to tell me that I'm broken, that God can never use me, that I used to have a speech impediment, there's no way you'll ever speak in front of people. I have to be reminded what God says about me, that I'm healed, I'm restored. He knew me before I was ever knitted in my mama's womb. He called me before I even knew that I was called. I wrote a declaration for my babies. But what I didn't know is that I needed to believe the declaration that I had written for them. And I think somebody in here, or lots of somebodies, need to begin to speak God's word of your life so it becomes rooted deep in your heart and it begins to choke out what the enemy has planted in you. And that is, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm a leader, I'm not a follower. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have the armor of God to protect me from the schemes of the enemy every day. And I will bless the Lord at all times, no matter my circumstance, and his praises will continually, continually be in my mouth no matter how I feel for that day. Remind yourself and remind the enemy. So why does growing hurt so bad sometimes? I remember waking up at night and my legs hurting real bad. I was crying, my mom would put me in the bathtub and she'd have to massage my legs because I had growing pains. Anybody else have growing pains when you're growing up? Man, it was painful, I remember it. And that's what happens when we begin to grow and things have to be pruned off of us. It's like these trees around here that grow and they out of control and they hanging on electrical lines and stuff. They need to be cut down. We moved into our house and uh, we had a crepe myrtle. It was out of control. It, had, it was so big and um, hanging on the roof and it was turning the side of the house green. And Chris said, oh, I got that. I'm gonna take care of that. Well, he was out there for a while. He had mowed the grass, he'd cleaned off the side of the house, he'd done all kinds of other things. But then he came in and he was like, 
You want to see what I did? You should come see all the stuff I've done. So I went out there. That's how he walks, y'all. That's what he does. Okay? He loves the voice that I have for him, too. He's like, I don't sound like that. I was like, you do to me. You sound like this. <laughs> so we walk around. To, I'm like, ooh, it looks good, babe. You, did, you look so good on that mower. You, you, you look so good with that scrubber on the house. And then I'm like, looking at the tree. I, I thought you were, you remember he's going to take care of it? thought he was just going to cut it back a little bit. Now he cut that thing down to the nub. <laughs> I was like, it's dead. It's never coming back. I told you how beautiful it was and how I loved it. And it was right there and it was lovely. And he goes, ah, oh, it's going to be fine. Them trees are relentless. By springtime, it's going to be back. And he was right. He's right. And it's growing back even prettier and better than it was. And you know what? The enemy says that about you. When he tries to cut you down to the nub and it hurts and it's painful and you feel like you will never recover. The enemy, you come back. You come back bigger, stronger, and more beautiful. And the enemy says, man, she's relentless. You know what I love about God? When he prunes us when we're growing, he doesn't chop us down. He prunes us little by little. He's so patient and so gracious. In John 15, 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Number three, my last point, develop. Become who God created you to be. Become the sower, like the passage that we read about. Be the sower. Be the sower in your children's life. Be the sower in your spouse's life. Be the one that speaks life over hard situations. Be the one that speaks life over your spouse. Be a refuge for them when they come home. Be the one to plant in the people that you love the most what God is planning in you. And if you haven't started, start. Begin to put in the work, in the effort, because I promise God will begin to reveal things to you, the things that you've been praying for. And let me just tell you this. When you begin to dig and you begin to plant seeds, seeds don't grow, nothing grows overnight. Well, besides weeds and mushrooms. Nobody wants weeds and, weeds and mushrooms, though. So it's going to take time. And some of you have prayed many of prayers. You have planted many of seeds, and I have one for everybody. It's called seed bombs. You just put it out, dig it, put it in your yard, and it has lots of flowers. But you have planted many seeds, and you've planted it in good soil. You know you've planted it in good soil. And you put it, Lord, I believe in your promises. I believe what you've told me. And you pray, and you believe, and you water, and you allow it to take root. But you look and you're like, it's been so long. Oh, I just see dirt still. Why do I just see dirt when I know 
that the seeds of God are supposed to bring life. When I know a seed is supposed to bring life, that you have to be reminded that a seed has to do what it was created for. It has to bring life. It has to grow. So if you know that you have prayed and planted the seeds in good soil and you continue to water it, then you know that it has to grow. And God's promises are yes and amen. And you continue to water even though you don't see it grow and all you see is dirt. There's people in here that have been praying for a baby for years. And you keep watering the seed, and you're waiting, and you say, Lord, do you hear my prayers? And all you see is dirt. There's some of you that, are, that have sicknesses. There's some of you that know somebody that is dealing with a sickness. And you keep praying and believing for healing, and you have no doubt in your mind that God can heal them and that he can heal you. But you look at your pot, and you say, Lord, why do I just see dirt? I've been doing all the things. I've uprooted the roots that shouldn't be there and I keep watering, but all I see is dirt. You've been praying, you've been watering your marriage, you've been praying for restoration and you still see nothing. You look at the mirror, at yourself, you look in the mirror of yourself and all you can see is your pain. All you can see is your hurt. And all you see is dirt. You don't see what God sees in you. And I'm just here to say that God wants to produce and he wants to use the dirt in your life. And I wanna prove it. With this scripture, we were at a conference. I'd already had my message written and he shared this scripture. And I was like, that's the last, that's what I need right there. It's like confirmation of the direction that I was going. And I want you to catch it. Mark 4, 26 through 29. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seeds on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or he gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces the grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. What produced the grain? What was it? It was the dirt. It was the dirt. God is the God who specializes in dirt. He took dirt from the ground and he breathed pneuma life into the dirt and man was created god wants to use your dirt to bring life god took dirt and he spit in it and he rubbed it in a man's eyes and healing happened for that man so guess what god wants to use your dirt to bring healing in your family to bring healing over you. He told Naaman to go baptize himself in the Jordan. And Naaman said, I'm not baptizing myself in the dirty, nasty Jordan. You need to go read that passage because there is revelation in your dirt. 
He wrote in the dirt in front of the woman that was gonna be stoned by her accusers. Guess what? There's freedom in the dirt. So I just wanna say, start digging or keep digging. Start sowing or continue to water what you've already sown. And I can promise that he will use the dirt to develop in you what he wants to do through you.